Kia ora, koutou everyone. Welcome to Queenstown Live podcast. Um, it's still 2020. I'm not even sure how I feel about that anymore. But um, I'm very excited to be here with this wonderful human, um, Dan Clay, who is a TED speaker, um, a partner in strategy and innovationist and innovation at Lippincott, New York City, and has this alter ego, oh my God, Carrie Dragshaw, who makes we will discuss but makes my world um welcome howdy my how are you thank you so good it's such a delight to be here or to to uh, you know metaphorically be here so you're on a you're a thursday i'm a friday yeah so we're straddling straddling both of us approaching the weekend um but yeah thursday evening in new york city just finished Finished the lip and cot work, and now I can think about the carry work. You can now. I've I've still not been to New York City. I had um I had flights booked for a wedding in uh to Las Vegas this month, which oh. obviously got cancelled. Oh, yeah. Um, so my opportunity to be in the U.S. was like scuppered again. Oh. That's it's heartbreaking. I feel like there's just so many stories of weddings and family reunions and all of these amazing kind of once in a lifetime events that had to be canceled because of this. It's I know, sad, right? But, but you know, well, you'll get back. You'll, I will, we'll, we'll I will get back. I will. Stronger than ever. I will. <laughs> so um, I ask, now I ask everyone, how are you? And then I say, how are you? So um, <laughs> yeah. you really? I know, and I know you've studied <laughs> behavioral science. So Tell me, yeah. tell me your top layer and then tell me your real layers. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know. I think my top and real are pretty aligned right now. Um, I'm feeling very energized at the moment. Um, I live alone. And so there was a period of months where I truly didn't see people and I was taking it pretty seriously. So wasn't going out and about. Um, and so that part, it, least for the time being is over in New York and things have started opening up and we've started um, opening outdoor restaurants and you can go to parks again. And so I'm feeling very energized and very delighted to be in New York. There's also so much um, very necessary change happening in the U.S. right now, spurred by Black Lives Matter protests. And, yep. and it's just a really inspiring place to be. And I feel really lucky to be, one, at a, in a place in the country that seems to be handling, at least now, handling coronavirus appropriately. Um, and two, be in a place where, you know, people are really earnestly reckoning with the changes that need to happen. So I feel really energized and really optimistic and really hopeful that this will be, you know, will emerge from this stronger than we went into it. Um, so that's my, I, I think that that's a line. That's my yeah, top yeah, line. Yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> when, well, whenever I've spoken to, because I spoke to people from like, you know, all over the world, like Poland and um, San Francisco and the and Europe and the UK. And I, I've always said to them, you know, how I, I love that comparison to how different countries are doing it 
kind of differently. But somebody said to me, you, you have to think of the US like individual little countries. Mm. Because, because to me, like, if I think about the UK, I, I, or Eng- like England, for example, um, England and Scotland and Wales will be doing it slightly different, but they're kind of, you know, it's, there's kind of some similarities, whereas um, right. Australia, you think about it in terms of like the states are doing it or in different ways. Um, New, New Zealand is doing it in like, it's one. So for me, getting my head around, wrapping my head around, when, because to, to look at the news from how the US is doing it from here, it looks like a complete shambles. Like that's oh kind God, of- Oh I'm sure. But then you I know, I kind of shudder to think you, of you, Yeah, and we remember, <laughs> and then I have to re-remember that that place is that place and that place is that place and that place, you know? So how does it feel for you being in I know. Well, I think that is one of the fundamental challenges of something like coronavirus, where you can, in theory, have different approaches in different states. But in reality, that affects every, all it takes is one person traveling from, you can't, I mean, we have these, you know, self-quarantine rules. If you're coming from North Carolina to New York, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. But, you know, how do you enforce that? So I think there is this sense of, you know, for better or worse, we are all connected. Um, I do think that New York has had a strong response that has now allowed us to stay low for a little while, but hopefully it continues. And I just hope it seems like the rest of the country is, you know, realizing that with some simple measures and taking it seriously, we can manage this. It doesn't have to be so bad for so long. Um, I, I really wish, I just so remember when New York was in the news on US news channels um, and everybody was seeing how bad it was. And it was like, oh, if you would have just, just learn from what we went through and <laughs> taking that as, you know, learn from our mistakes and not have to yeah, 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 do it on your yeah. own because it takes so long to go down. It goes up so fast, but then oh, it takes yeah, yeah. so long to go I down. Know. And we're looking at like Melbourne now, you know, they were, they were tracking along the same lines as we were. Um, and now, you know, like a few incidents that happened and it's just gone again and, yeah. and then now considering doing a New Zealand style lockdown and it's like this was discussed months ago right. um, and the UK is the same the UK is thinking oh we might do what New Zealand did and it's like oh my god people <laughs> I know I just wish we could have learned these lessons a little earlier but you know it's it's it, it really is an unprecedented thing and you get I, I get the desire want to keep things open to try to um you know not hurt the economy but it just it is it's like oh my gosh is this ever gonna end yeah totally i know and i'm really interested because what's i love the view of whenever i ask people what their view outside of new zealand is people always have this like image that it's kind of um well one jacinda's got a really you know she there's this awesome platform now for her because she's She's incredible. She's incredible. She's not perfect, but she's incredible. But people have this really interesting image of what New Zealand is and actually what it really is. Right. So what, what's that for you? Cause I know you said you look, you'd love to come here. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm dying. Well, one is just like the natural beauty I think is one of the predominant 
things in my mind when I think of New Zealand. Um, and it, there is this perception, um, one of the most prominent things that people tweet and post here, and maybe it's in New Zealand as well, um, is the distinction, and again, I'm by no means an expert in coronavirus, so I'm just repeating what, but the distinct difference between how countries with female leaders responded and countries yeah, yeah, with yeah. male leaders. Um, and again, it's much more complicated than any of that, but I do think that here there is this perception that, um, I don't know, that the female leadership of New Zealand and some countries with similar female leaders um, just took it seriously and took proceeded carefully rather than, you know, oh, we're going forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's this sense, at least for me, that, oh, they really have their act together. <laughs> and and um, I mean, there's the very commonly quoted, like, I just view it as like, there being this beautiful farmland <laughs> and just People like running around in everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, I don't know, maybe like a dragon flies over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I spent time in Australia uh, during a study abroad program. Um, and I just, oh my gosh, it was just some of the greatest times of my life. And like the, the people that I met there, I mean, it's always impossible to generalize an entire population. And I shudder to think how people would generalize about Americans. <laughs> the Australian people I met and the New Zealand people that I met in Australia, um, it was just so fun and gregarious and open arms and kind hearted. Um, so I just feel like that the combination of natural beauty and open hearted people. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's, maybe it's maybe it's ugly and everybody's a monster. Just well, you know, we got something we got not a lot of the, I mean, the history of the country is not good, you know, because, you know, my people came over and ruined it all. So um, yeah. there's a lot of there is a lot of history and a lot of stuff that needs to happen and move and shift. Um, but I, I would rather I am very honored and privileged to be here at this current time. Um, I, yeah. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. Um, and the conversations that are happening around, you know, what's gonna happen in the future are interesting and exciting and. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it kind of a time of reckoning there as well? Um, well, because, I mean, there's, there's been lots of movement around the history of colonization in this country. I don't know if you know the history of this country and it's, you know, oh. it, it's, it's not good. It's, um, yeah. you know, it was violent and oppressive and there's a lot of trauma and, um, it's, that's still happening. So when people say, oh, don't live in the past, it's like, yeah, but the past is still here. The past is still yeah. happening. Um, right. so there's a lot of, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's similar um, that sentiment of don't live in the past. And I was just reading um, there's a really popular book right now, How to Be Anti-Racist. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was yeah. Just, just reading it, um, and one of the passages mentioned that explicitly, which and it was talking about how if you try to pretend like none of this still matters, which it does, it's, it's the underpinning of a lot of policies, um, then you can never actually get past it. So I think yeah. there was a period of time, definitely when I was younger, a period of time where, you know, you pretended you know, colorblind and all these, you just sort of pretended like it was over. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, you just can't get past it. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm currently mm -hmm. on this one. 
Uh, oh, wow. Oh, my God. How? It's, but it's very <laughs> sciencey. How to argue with a racist. And, and it's, it's a lot of it's set in the UK, which that, that history is very interesting, too. But, um, oh, wow. yeah, my brain is like... <laughs> That's really good, though, to think... Yeah, because a lot of times it is... Because a lot of, like, arguing with someone who seeds rationality, it can be difficult to even have a dialogue. Yeah, totally. Um, Oh, I'll have to to pick that up. So um, I was just reading about your work, and I love how it says um, you ground innovation in enduring human truth. Like, that is, that's a beautiful statement and sentiment. Mm. How yeah. your work? So are you are you working from home, or are you are you going to work still? Yeah, working from home. Um, our offices, and I'm pretty sure the majority of offices in New York are still closed. Yeah. Um, and my typically work in a you know gigantic high rise. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We probably won't be back for a while. Totally. Um, yeah, working from home. But I just I just read that statement, and I thought mm. you know never never more than now um yeah is that really important about the fact that you know there's all these conversations about what's going on for the world and and you know economics and people and and it's like why why do we have to have an economy and people in two separate camps like mm, why, right. why do they yeah. always sit like this and they always do this they always right. why can't those two things so how how has your work changed or has it changed or is it I don't know, has the conversation changed over this time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the methodology is pretty consistent. Uh, in basically, like that, what underpins that statement of grounding technological shifts in human truths is thinking about, um, yes, the world is, is always changing. There are always new vectors of change and there are always new, you know, everything from artificial intelligence to, you know, evolutions in our so- sociological understanding of group behavior. You know, things are always changing. But fundamentally, people want connection. I mean, it's no surprise, if you talk to a psychologist, it's no surprise that we spend, you know, I think it's a third of our time online socializing because we're social beings, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so what we like to do is just think about, okay, because you hear a lot of time of unprecedented change, uh, and it is, but people are relatively predictable in how we'll react to things um, and what we're looking for from life. I mean, you can read philosophers from 500 years ago and they were talking about, you know, the pursuit of fame and how it doesn't really make you happy. And they were talking about, you know, the need for family connection. It's what makes us happy, what we're looking for. That is pretty consistent. Um, and so, yeah, we try to try to have that combination of these underlying, and a lot of it is from sociology, psychology, behavioral science, these things that are just, this is how people are, uh, when they collide with things that are more technological or, you know, the new capabilities that we have as a result of having sharing platforms and things like that, um, then you get these interesting intersections that you can start to make sense of complicated things so yeah that's what i that's what i spend my days thinking i love about. it i totally love great, it and, yeah it's great fun 
And I've just noticed that your hat just says carrots. <laughs> I know. Well, I actually like, because I was, I should have looked. I was like, oh, it'll be, it's podcast. So it just won't even be video. So I'll keep my hat on. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a brand called Carrots. It's a very cool brand. People I love it. it I'll have to check it out. Now, um, coming back to your um, alter ego. Now, this was 2016, yes. right? And this is a Halloween costume that you prepared, like, uh, and then sh and then let let out to the world. Now, just, yeah. I, I mean, I know a little bit about the backstory of this, but you uh -huh. you hadn't come out at this time. I was I was out as a gay person yeah. and very proud gay person. <laughs> but, but, um, but I hadn't done drag. Yeah. Um, and when like Sex in the City itself has this very because when the show was on TV, I was not out and I would catch glimpses of it and I wanted so badly to watch it. <laughs> but watching Sex in the City would have been, you know, basically dancing on the rooftop and assless chaps waving a rainbow flag. It was just, and obviously heterosexual men can watch Sex in the City, <laughs> but at Obviously. the time it felt like a dead giveaway. Yep. And so I tried to avoid anything like that. And so one, even just watching Sex in the City to me felt like this minor act of self-love. Yep. And then Halloween came and I had kind of finally mustered the courage to dress and drag. Um, and I loved love still <laughs> sex in the city uh and so carrie bradshaw was always my icon and i actually live on a very close to her apartment in the show and so i wore the costume posted a picture on instagram the same way i've posted a picture of my halloween costume forever i could w w I had zero aspirations for internet acclaim um and <laughs> i actually went out that night i didn't have a purse to go with my outfit so i went out didn't even bring my phone wasn't thinking of anything and then the next morning i woke up and i still have no idea how something like this happens but it had just gone completely viral everyone from hbo to patricia field to sarah jessica parker herself um had said these insanely kind things about the costume um and i had some more pictures and so i posted another one more as a like tongue-in-cheek thing to my friends kind of remember yesterday when i went viral <laughs> for my own when i was a normal person <laughs> And then that the second picture I posted went completely viral again. Um, and I think Sarah Jessica Parker started following me. So well, now I, I can't like go back to posting a picture of my nephews or something. You can um, never go I, back. Yeah, so I just, I'm a drag queen now. And it was, I mean, it's very different than this moment, but I feel like this moment is a really intense time um and it was right at the when the presidential election between hillary and the current president um was happening and it just felt like a little opportunity to just spread a little love online Absolutely. you know just like respond to all of this uncertainty and what is going on with yeah. just love, 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 love. <laughs> um, and I'm really glad I did because even that, I mean, it's continued to be just this source of so much joy for me. And I also feel so 
grateful, especially in this time when we are literally isolated, to have just this little way to connect with people and talk with people. I just feel so grateful and so happy that whatever random algorithm enabled that to happen. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank but you know, because I wrote down, you, you wrote somewhere about the magical Instagram algorithm and I wrote underneath <laughs> that in my notes. I don't believe that. So I don't believe like that. I, I believe that, that it hit and touched something in some people mm. um, appropriately, right. um, you know, around this um, one connection, like we always talk about. Um, and it just, it does, it gives people this like little pause in their day. And I, mm. I have a few people who, are, who I follow online, who I, you know, every morning wake up and look at my phone, uh, you know, at an appropriate time, not when I'm lying in bed, like with it like that, even though yeah. we all do. Um, where you wait every day to see if somebody's put something up. Um, and I think everybody's got that. And I'd love, actually love to, when I, to do something around who are those people that you have online that you just, you don't know them, you've never Must met them, and you right. probably never will. Yeah. Well, who are they yeah. that just give you that little thing? Because yeah. Sex and the City for me, like I was, it was, I was 19 when it came out and I have this distinct memory of walking back to my university house that I was living in. And there was this ginormous billboard of the four in those black dresses. Uh, oh, I know it. I and know I remember going, what yeah. is this? Because there was nothing like that. There was nothing. Yeah. Just like these proud, confident women. Yeah. Unapologetic about their Completely. sexiness and friendship. Yeah, I, I, do, I do find it interesting how I now... I can't watch it in the same way now as I did. I look now as a, like I'm 41 now and I watch it now and some of it makes me go, just stop moaning. Like, <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. And, and I think- kind of ruined it a little bit for me. Well, I think, I don't know, I think because a hundred percent, and there's even like Miranda sometimes acknowledges it. There's one, I think it's at the start of the second season where she's like, we are four successful, accomplished, independent women, and we spend all our time sitting around talking about men. Um, and I do, I definitely connect to that sentiment. And I think, you know, one of the things that's so wonderful to me about Sex and the City is it really is a totally different show as you age. When I, when I first yeah. watched it, it truly was just, you know, wish fulfillment kind of thing. They went to fabulous parties. They dated hot guys. Like I was just really seeing it at the superficial level. Like, oh, I want to go to a magazine launch party. Oh, I want to go, I want to go <laughs> dancing, hook up with a random person that night. I want to be and paid then you get my whole, I want to be paid my whole week's rent from one magazine article. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, yes, it is, it is confounding. I love Although it. I guess it was a different media landscape at the time. Um, and then I feel like there was a second phase where I just really connected to the, the this is going to sound overdramatic, but like to the pain of it, to the, to the struggles, to liking a guy who is emotionally detached, to really trying to find love, but it for some reason being harder for you than it seems to be for other people. Like that, that struggle I really connected with as I got older. And now that I'm even older and, but a bit more self-assured, I so connect to that idea of just like, come on, ladies, like you have amazing lives. <laughs> um, 
Come on! Which, you know, yeah. And, and, but. I know. Me, so me and me and my sister used to. Uh, so my sister used to make clothes. And so when I was oh, like, yeah. when we 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 both left uni. She's four years older than me, but we both left uni and we went went back to live with my parents, which was like the most depressing thing in the world ever. You know, you've yeah. got your degree and you're yeah. finished, and you right. know, it's you're all like ready to take on the go, world you go back to living with your parents and we were both doing shitty jobs and we used to get into her bed at night because it used to be on in the UK it used to be on at like 10 30 it was quite late and we'd get yeah. it that's late for me so we'd get into bed and we'd watch these episodes and then we'd you know in the middle of northern England which is the most depressing place in the world ever we'd get oh. dressed up in these fabulous outfits and we'd go mm. out in the sea yeah like our little thing totally and it was just I really, I really do think that that like that level of the show in in it still happens for me. Like I'll watch a show, obviously not now because the city is kind of shut down. But you'll watch a show, and it it makes you want to make the most out <laughs> of life in a way. You know, it makes you want to put on the pretty dress and go to a fun yeah. place and like yeah. take on New York or take on wherever you happen to be, and uh, you know, really grab the night by the horns yeah, so, yeah, and I took um I took a photograph because I know and I I realize now that you've done this is I'm showing you the one with this this is my oh, favorite um, but look my sister my sister bought me this <gasps> ah, probably about, this is probably about 20 years old and I brought it with me to, to New Zealand because it one reminded me of her but it also reminded me of the time we used to sit in bed and watch this oh, and I thought you'd done it and, and it, I'm showing um, Dan for those who are listening um, the I'll put the image on Instagram but it's the blue top red dress and then the big apple oh it's so good I wish I had my apple necklace too and we could have like a oh god yeah, we did we used to sit and wait that was all we wanted we wanted clothes like so every episode yeah. new episode that came out we were like what is she gonna put on oh I know god. I know it's amazing and I do feel like so many people who have a relationship with the show it is that communal relationship. It's, it's the group of friends that you watched it with or the family member that you watched it with or the people that you talk about it with. Like, it's just a show that kind of lends, I have other shows that I like, but none that lend themselves to this kind of conversation. And it, I remember even after watching episodes, my friends and I, you know, debating the little conversation can you be friends with an ex like it just it spurs you to have those yeah. conversations and i think that's part of the reason that it is has lasted so long even though some of the concepts in it you know aren't as timely as they were or uh but it, some of the elements and conversations they had really are these just fundamental totally things. Life, yeah. Do you, um, do you have, if you had to, so we'll go on to your quick fire round, which I do with everyone. Oh my God. Um, oh, but man, one I of the ones already. is, if you had, like, what would be one episode out of all of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had to watch every forever. Do you know which one I, that would be? I could watch the, um, I think it's the season finale of season two, um, where she goes to the plaza when <gasps> Big is Hubble. having his, yeah. I could watch, I, I could honestly watch. If somebody said, oh, we're eliminating all streaming services and you can only watch the final two minutes of that episode for the rest of your life, I think I would be fine. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite 
version of Carrie, I guess I could say, you know, that independent, like some women aren't meant to be tamed to Carrie. I just, I love it. I love that scene. I love when they're singing in the bar beforehand, that moment of friendship. I love how completely kooky it is. I mean, can you imagine being Natasha and watching (laughs) your fiance go flirt with his ex I know. after your engagement party i mean it's completely insane yeah. um but i just i love it she's stunning yes yeah, she's stunning it's yeah. It's, yeah. In, it's just like remarkable how oh. beautiful she is and how well she wears clothes um but yeah that's mine what's yours um my god I don't know. I think the memory of the the one the you know where the last the last one where she's yeah. running around and he finds her. And, oh, you know. About it. I mean, I just remember lying in bed crying, and I was probably yeah. I can't even remember how old I was, but I was in my twenties, and it was just like I don't know that dress, that massive dress, that Incredible. ginormous dress. It was like oh, incredible. God. Do you know I so as a result of this delightful little internet project. I've had the great fortune to meet many of the people associated with the show. Um, and I had a basically a day with Patricia Field, which was amazing. Yeah. And she was talking about that scene with that epic overflowing Versace dress. And she said it's her favorite outfit from the entire show. Um, and she said they were filming it and she almost, it was the last episode and she almost didn't show up to filming because she had been starting on a new show with, um, with other people. And so she, her attention was kind of on that. But then she showed up the day of filming and they had Carrie sitting on the dress, not surrounded by the dress, that image that we all have ingrained in our mind. And she like, stop production. She said, wait, 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 wait. She needs to be, you know, drowning in the dress. And she puffed it out and like, you know, like those little toilet paper holder dolls, just like she needs to be immersed in the dress. And I thought that was just such a cool little yeah. behind the scenes moment. I mean, she's such a genius as well, because I feel I can't even think of another show where the clothes are so much a part of the characters as they are in Sex and the City. Like, so she's yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Um, okay, so um, are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know. I'm not very quick on my feet, but I'll try my okay. best. Um, favorite hot beverage? Coffee. <laughs> hot bath or hot shower? Hot bath. Uh, Kindle book or audio? Book. Um, manicure, pedicure, facial? None. Good answer. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't have any patience for it. It's awful, but I just get so bored. Uh, um, favorite place to sit? Uh, there's a park in near my neighborhood that's in the back of a church and nobody knows about it. And it's completely silent in the middle of New York. Um, and it's just beautiful and lovely. And it's a bunch of flowers. Um, so good. Um, something you want to learn? Oh, oh my gosh. I think the main thing that I want to learn is just the lived experience of other people. I know that's incredibly large, um, but I just think that it's the most amazing thing to 
there's this sentiment that like, oh, we're more alike than we are different, which is probably true, but we're also really different. And I love learning about, you know, oh my gosh, what is it like to work at the, my company as a woman? What is it like to live in this city as a black person? What is it like growing up in New Zealand? Just having those conversations and reading those books, I think that's the thing I'm most excited about learning. It's just I love other it. people's lives. I love it. Um, guilty music pleasure. Oh gosh. Um, oh gosh, it's too guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll caveat it with, I am from Michigan. Yeah. Um, and so it's my heritage, but I love Eminem. Um, and I know that his influence on the world is probably not good. And so I am legitimately guilty about it. It's not like Miley Cyrus. Um, like I am guilty about it, but it like, I just, I'm an M. Sorry. You love it. You love it. Uh, what do you do well? Oh, oh, that's a lovely question. Um, uh, focus. I have like a really good attention span. <laughs> I know that's random, but um, yeah, like I can read for a really long time. I can focus on things that work well. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, one famous person alive or dead who you would invite into your lockdown bubble? Oh, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, I was going to say. I mean, I, I think she's already like, you know, step away from restraining order, but I feel like we yeah, could step, step, step aside. Clothes, talk about our favorite scenes. I love it. Um, and last question is, um, what is your uh, one album that you'd listen to for the rest of your life? Oh, such a good question. You know what it is, is um, the Dixie Chicks, their second to, their current album is amazing, or The Chicks. Uh, they've changed their name to just The Chicks, which is good. Um, but the album they had right after they, they had, were banned from country radio and they had this album all around, Not Ready to Make Nice, called The Long Way Round. And I could listen to it for forever. I absolutely nice. love it. Um, the Dan, Dan Clay, thank you so much for giving up. Oh your, my gosh, this was so fun. Part of your evening. Um, it's the start of a beautiful relationship. I can see it now. Yes, yes. I, know. I feel like I could have talked to you all day. <laughs> well, we can do more, as many as you want. Um, but I, um, tell me what you're going to go and do right now. Um, right now I'm about to meet a friend by, I live right by the Hudson River, um, and it's a beautiful place to go for just little social distance hangouts. Yeah. So we're going to bring our masks to the river and just watch the sunset. And Such it's a pretty lovely thing. I've got, yeah, this, I've got this image in my head of this like romantic, beautiful sunset and then two people sat in these big masks. I know. It is like this that. bizarre combination because I was actually in Washington Square Park or, for lunch earlier today. And it is the, the combination, I'm sure you have it all over in, in New Zealand and Australia and London, um, of just this natural stunning beauty and you get lost in the beauty and then you have these kind of post-apocalyptic images of <laughs> people walking, you know, but... Tis the time. Tis the time. <laughs> Tis the time. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, we will speak very, very soon. Yes. All right. I'll talk to you later. Kaki day. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye.